welcome, welcome to episode 10 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Noyd. The NFL season is now underway, and I have with me today, once again, my good friend and fellow podcaster, host of the That Sports Podcast, Alex McLeod. We're going to get into all the week one action, going to look ahead to week two and talk a little fantasy this episode. I'm so excited. Alex, how you doing? Well, I'm okay, Pete. Uh, your team won and my team lost, but it was a close game and we'll we'll chat a lot about that. I, I'm I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in with a losing record so far this season. But the season is young. There's an extra game. So lots of time to to make up ground on the division leading Miami Dolphins. Yes, my team won, as you said, and your team lost, and it just so happened to be in the same game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talked a bit about uh, my Dolphins and your Patriots, of course, last week when we previewed the AFC East, and that was a lot of fun to do that episode together. And uh, as you know, I gave a lot of props to the Patriots, and I, I do think still that ultimately they will finish ahead of the Dolphins in the standings, but I did predict as that one little victory for the Dolphins. I predicted that we would come out on top in this game. And ever so slightly, we managed to hang on for that win, 17-16 over the Patriots. I mean, yeah, you were handed the win. The Patriots blew it. I mean, they had it. And was it on the nine-yard line? It was close. Yeah, right around there. Damian Harris fumbles. And your boy, Xavier Howard, punches it out and recovers it. I was so mad. That's my boy. Oh, I was so mad. I'll tell you what about that play in particular. And and I have a lot to say on the strategy that the Patriots employed. They did really well that game to keep the Dolphins on their toes defensively and, and while they tried to move the ball down the field. The one mistake I felt that the Patriots made that entire game was that they ran Damian Harris into the ground. I think he finished. With, ran him a lot. Yeah, 23 yeah. carries, which is a lot for week one. Uh, yeah. when the players have not played anywhere near a, a full four quarters. And I could see that he was getting tired. And that's when you get fumbles, is when you're tired and you're just not gripping that ball. You're not thinking about a fumble when you should be. You're mentally weary in, as in addition to being physically weary. Even though I was surprised, it's not like the Patriots to give up the ball. The Dolphins had a couple of key turnovers that game. And, of course, I, I will give credit to my Dolphins. They are a ball-hawking defense They are known for taking the ball away. That was their 24th straight game with a takeaway. Wow. So they know it's the longest streak currently in the NFL. So I'm never surprised when the Dolphins take the ball away, but I was a little surprised that the Patriots gave it up a couple of times, even still, and Harris was tired. I think that was the one mistake. They should have spelled him for Ramondre Stevenson a little more. That's a good point. I mean, Ramondre came in in the first quarter, and I, on his first or second touch, he fumbled the ball and Belichick benched him and he yeah. didn't see another touch. So that was why that, that Harris was out there so much. James White was in typical fashion out there for a lot of third downs as he often catches out of the backfield. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Harris, 23 or 20, 25 carries or something. It was It was a lot. Yeah, he did. But he, oh, he played so well. Like you, he, he's a great runner. He really runs hard. But um, yeah, man. and they were hard yards too. A lot of them were up the middle. Yeah, tough, tough yards to get, which I think contributed to his tiredness. And it's tough on plays like that when it's kind of like you're running into a a sea of defenders, and you're kind of. 
being like stood up and there's a bunch of guys, you know, punching at the ball. It's, it's hard. Like it, it is Harris's fault, but it's hard to blame running backs on plays like that when they're trying to two or three guys are kind of holding you up while you're going to the ground and punching at the ball. It's just a tough play for sure. Now, a lot of people, of course, were wanting to see the Mac Jones versus Tua Tungavailoa battle. Yeah. Uh, how do you think those two guys fared? I mean, I think I think they were both good. I think Mac was, I'll choose my words carefully here, but I think he was exceptional for his first NFL start. You could say he played conservatively or the, the play calls were conservative, but that's all right. I think... I think if you start a game in the NFL, your first game, and you don't turn the ball over, I think that's a big win. I think a lot of rookies get in there, and we saw like with Zach Wilson this week and other rookies make mistakes and see that the preseason is not the regular season in the NFL. But I think Mac Jones made really good decisions. McDaniels obviously called a good game for him. I mean, he didn't have like outstanding numbers, but I think he had somewhere around 250 yards passing, something like that. No turnovers and a touchdown. Tua was over 200 yards passing with a rushing touchdown and a pick. So I'll give the edge slightly to Mac in that game, but they both were really good. Absolutely. I think I agree. They both played very well. And I think, and I'll bring Tom Brady back into this because I have to say. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, I will admit that I I have more respect for Tom Brady now than I did when he was with the Patriots. And it's for reasons of why the game we just saw on Sunday between the Patriots and the Dolphins. Because the Patriots put Mac Jones in a position to succeed right from the start. Uh, I saw a statistic, uh, next-gen stats, of Mac Jones's throws for the whole entire game. I think he attempted 39 passes, and most of them were in the 0-5 to five the second most, the zero to ten, yeah, or the five to ten, I guess you should say, and so very short passes, easy completions, right? And I've always said it: the Patriots are the masters at nickel and diming you to death. They are the most patient team on offense that I have ever seen, and this goes back to when Belichick took over the team. They've always put their quarterback in a great position, great offensive line. Get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly, underneath routes, chip away. Their game plan from the start was run the ball first and second down, get yourself in a third and short, convert on the third and short. Right. And they were just doing it with you know better and better as the game went on. Then you get to halftime and you know the Dolphins are going in. Look, we know what they're doing. This is what we got to do to stop them. What do the Patriots do? They come out in the second half, they start throwing the ball. <laughs> right. They start throwing to set up the run. Within the first half, they were running to set up the throw. And the passing chart was all over the field. It was left, center, right for Mac Jones. So they did really well, I think, to keep the Dolphins' defense on their toes. And I was I was getting frustrated watching it in the second half. I yeah. thought, how are these guys getting so wide open? These yeah. are nothing routes. But they they just will – and they're so patient. They will nickel and dime you to death. Yeah. And uh, I got to say, if, if that – if that game had another quarter, I don't see the Patriots losing that game because they were just turning the screw ever so slightly. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I'd say Dolphins are a little fortunate to get out of there, even though we did play well on the whole. I liked Tua's game. That was a tough defense, even without Stephon Gilmore. Uh, and our O-line is in, you know, they've there's a lot of question marks there. Tua did not have a lot of time. So I think he did really well under the circumstances, and I'm hopeful for this season. 
Yeah, I mean, Matt Judon looked really good, um, as expected. The new addition uh, defensive end from the Ravens. Man, no, the Patriots had it. I mean, they were marching down the field. It was a really great drive, but that's what happens. That's sports, as they say. That's sports, as, as yeah. the That Sports podcast can attest. That's right. That's right. So yeah. it it happens, and the ball comes out, and that's the difference in the game. I mean, it would have been exciting. If the Patriots scored a touchdown or a field goal, your Dolphins still would have had around two minutes or two and a half minutes to try to come back the other way. So it wouldn't have been over, but yeah, it would have been tough for the, would have been tough for the Dolphins. So agreed. that's how it goes sometimes, but a really, really great game, exciting, tight. So as we predicted, this, uh, this division is going to be really exciting and super competitive. It is absolutely Let's move on and, and go back to the first game of the season. Of course, uh, the NFL season kicked off on Thursday night with the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks hosting the Dallas Cowboys. And we were treated to a great first game. That game was tight throughout. It looked like the Bucks might pull away at first, but the Cowboys got a couple turnovers, got it close again, and they were battling all through the second half there. And what a great game that was. And I got to say, you know, without being a fan of either team, it was just great to see football back. And it was great to see Dak Prescott back and playing at such a high level. He threw for over 400 yards in his first game back from that major injury that he suffered last year that put him out for the year. What a fantastic game. Yeah, absolutely. And against a defense, a Buccaneers defense that was near the top of the league last season in a lot of categories. Dak looked outstanding. Like it had been, what did I hear? 330 some days since he last played. And to have that level of accuracy was just, it really, it surprised me that he was that precise. So he looked great. Elliot didn't have a great game running the ball, but that probably has to do with play calling and Tampa's front seven being so strong, tough to run up the middle. Yeah, they took what the defense gave them, which was throwing a lot. But Dak moved well in the pocket eluded some some pressures and, and got the ball away. But so, super exciting. Great way to start. Great way to start the season. Yeah. Is it possible that the Bucks are even stronger this year, do you think? I mean, they've got Antonio Brown now for the whole season. I think those couple of years off have preserved his body somewhat. He still looks really good out there. I think he's 32 years old, which normally for a wide receiver, he'd be on the downside of his career. But uh, having sat out or not being signed by a team there for a little while, maybe he's got a little juice left in those legs. Yeah, I think it is very possible that, that they're even better. I think I was listening to Bill Simmons and he said, what if like this is the year, like year two, this is the year that the Bucks probably thought they could win the Super Bowl, but they won it a year early. Things came together for them. Because remember last season, they started pretty sluggish out of the gate. Were they seven and five at one point and then had a bye and, and then went on a big run all the way to a championship? But it looked like it wasn't going to be their year for a good part of the season. And then, yeah, they bring back all 22 starters. That's unheard of, especially in today's sports world with salary caps and and all of that. But they bring back all, all 22 starters and Brady had a full training camp with these guys and yeah, familiarity with all his receivers and, and backs and, and O-line. So, yeah, I, I think it is possible. I know Brady. I love Brady at the end. 
they get the win. But one of the first things he says is we got a lot of work to do. That's such a Brady thing to do. Like there's a lot of mistakes, a lot of things we need to clean up, but that's what you want in your leader. You want someone who doesn't rest on their, on their laurels. So yeah, he, he looks sharp for what is he? 44 now? Yeah, 44 years it's old. Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, okay, here's a question, Pete. How long do you actually think he can play at a high level? So he'll be, initially he talked about playing to 45. I mean, now it looks like he might try to go a couple of years more than that, but it's, it's crazy to me, his arm strength, whatever he's doing with the TB 12 method, it's almost like his arm, his arm looks stronger than it does. I mean, the last couple of years with the Patriots, it looks even better now. So I know he's got a lot more weapons in, in Tampa than he did in new England those last couple of years. Yeah. But man, I don't know. I don't know how it is. It looks like also his hair, his hair somehow is fuller than it was a decade ago. Yeah. So he's doing something there he's also. The hair, I don't know the hair what he's lush, doing. The hair but, uh, is thick. Well, something that costs money for probably. sure. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I remember the last few years of Marino's career and I didn't realize all the injuries that he had accumulated over his career at the time, but he had an Achilles that was completely shot. He had a spring Mm. built into his shoe just so that he could push off a little bit. But otherwise, it was all arm. He had major knee problems. And you could really tell, you know, he had a cannon for an arm his whole career. But those last couple of years, it looked like it was really tough for him to throw the ball. Right. In today's game, you know, quarterbacks just aren't hit as much. That's right. There's a lot more taking care of your body around the clock, 365 days a year. And, you know, I I, I don't doubt Brady – I, I can't see him playing past 46. Like to me, that would be the absolute cutoff because at, at some point the zip's not there. Yeah. And uh, we saw that happen as well with Peyton Manning. You know, he had that year in Denver where he broke all sorts of records at an old age. And then that last year, the defense was really what carried them to the Super That's Bowl. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, father time still wins eventually, you know, Father Time will catch up to Tom Brady, but I mean, hey, at this point, it's anybody's guess. I've got Brady on my fantasy team, on one of them anyway, for the second year running. So obviously, I think he's going to have another big year, and he he had a great game to start off there. But uh, I, I wonder about the Cowboys, though. You know, the Bucks are defending Super Bowl champs, and they do look real strong out of the gate here. But you alluded to this earlier. Ezekiel Elliott didn't do much, and that was a lot by choice. The Cowboys just decided they weren't going to run the ball against Tampa. Instead, they tried to spread him out, get a lot of wide receivers out onto the field and try to spread him thin. Unfortunately for them, Michael Gallup got hurt partway through the game, which I think hurt that a little bit, but they still kept it close. Do you think that they maybe maybe, uh, provided a blueprint for the rest of the league on how to play the Bucs? It's possible. I mean, I think uh, with, what's his name, Antoine Winfield and, oh, what's his name got hurt? That was a big storyline. Um, Murphy Bunting. So he's one of the better cornerbacks for the for the Buccaneers and his injury uh left a big hole and and Dak kept going after I forget who his replacement was, but he kept going and picking on him and that's how Dallas were getting a lot of their big gains. So maybe this is maybe that is one the like the the weakness if if there is one on the Tampa Bay defense, maybe their secondary has some vulnerabilities. 
Yeah. Of course, the flip side to that is that if every team tries that against the Bucks, that'll be great practice for playoff time. Mm-hmm. And uh, by that time, the Bucks will probably be experts at stopping that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that could go either way, but it was a great first game. Uh, let's keep moving around the league here. Uh, Chiefs-Browns, a battle of uh, two AFC powerhouses who are expected to compete uh, together in, in looking for that Super Bowl this year. Browns were up early and uh, for a while against the Chiefs, but of course that Chiefs juggernaut eventually came back, wore them down. Tyreek Hill, another huge game. Massive. Mahomes, a typical Mahomes-esque performance from him. Kelsey was huge for them. And ultimately, the Chiefs came out on top 33-29. to But I felt that the Browns really showed their potential in this game. And uh, I'm on record as saying that I think the Browns will actually get to the Super Bowl wow. uh, this year. I think they're that good. And I think they can cause a lot of problems for any team, including the Chiefs. They showed it Sunday. It was a tight game. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I was I was basically um, just checking checking the score, so I, I saw the highlights, but I wasn't watching closely live, and I was I was surprised. I thought, wow, like I I know a lot of people are high on the Browns, but I did not think they'd come out that way. Nick Chubb is a great back, and he runs really really hard, and he had some huge gains. Baker was good. Baker threw a pick later in the game that wasn't good, but overall Baker played a good game. I was just happy from a fantasy perspective because I got Pat Mahomes as my quarterback and I thought, oh man, they're down quite a bit. So that, I mean, this is good because Mahomes is going to have to take some risks and and throw it and, and use his legs. And Mahomes did. Yeah. He put up, put up some really good numbers. I mean, Tyreek Hill, he almost had 200 yards. He had 197 yards on 11 receptions and a touchdown. Yeah, Pat Mahomes really came through with 337 yards and four total touchdowns in the comeback. He does what Pat Mahomes does. That's what we've gotten used to, but he he really is a remarkable talent in this league. He's one of a kind, like maybe the most. I know Michael Vick was so athletic, but Vick didn't have the arm strength and accuracy that Mahomes has. Um, so it's certainly not the accuracy, not the accuracy. He did, he That's did right. have a pretty strong arm, but yeah, I am with you on that. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's, yeah, he is exceptional watching, watching him, but yeah, the, your, the, your Browns, I didn't know you thought they would win the AFC. Um, but they're, um, Miles Garrett is phenomenal. And, and now they have, um, on the other side there, Jadavian Clowney. That's right. Who hasn't probably lived up to to all the hype and he's bounced around to a couple teams in the last couple seasons but maybe this is this is the place for him with with Garrett there and so okay my only question is this do you in order for them to get to the Super Bowl Baker Mayfield has to be has to be good you do you believe in Baker you think he's the real deal and good enough to to lead that team offensively well, that's a key phrase right there. Is he good enough? Good enough, Because right. he's, his surrounding cast is so good. Yeah, that's he's right. He's got a great defense. The running game is elite. And he doesn't have to be a superhero quarterback. That's true. That's true. And even yesterday, remember, they were without Odell Beckham Jr. yesterday in that game uh, against the Chiefs. So there's more to come from the Browns. Make no mistake about it. To me, they are one of the most complete teams in the league. 
and they do something well that most teams don't. And that's why I like them so much and give them such a good chance to go to the Super Bowl is that they run the ball. Yeah. They are elite in that category. And that still, in, even in today's passing league, if you can run the ball as well as they do, it, it is a breeding ground for success. So I believe in the Browns. Wow. Cleveland to the Super Bowl. Who do you have coming out of the NFC? I got the Rams. Yeah, I did. That, that's what I think too. Yeah. yeah, ultimately, I think the Rams, I'm taking the Rams to win the Super Bowl. And uh, just very quickly, we don't have it in our notes here, but the Rams looked great they yesterday great. against the Bears. Stafford looks amazing, over 300 yards uh, for him. Great game. So, yeah, they look great. And I think the Browns will bounce back. Then we got uh, Steelers over the Bills, 23-16. to 16. Uh, This was a little surprising, not not the result itself, uh, because these are two good football teams, obviously, but the way in which the Steelers won. Down 10 nothing at halftime in Buffalo and come back in the second to score 23 points and beat the Bills, as I said, 23-16. to Were you surprised at all at the way that game played out? I was surprised. Again, I didn't watch that one closely. I was just checking the scores, and I thought it was over. And then when I looked... Uh, like about an hour later and saw that the Steelers had won, I was I was shocked. So, yeah, break it down for me. How how did they do it? Was it defense or was it offense or a combination of what, what were the big plays in the comeback? It was a pretty tight game from what I saw. I was trying to keep my eye on a lot of games and, and probably didn't catch uh, everything in that game. But it was a pretty tight defensive game the whole way through. And... It was nothing spectacular. You know, they just kind of chipped away at the Bills and their defense really closed up shop in the second half. Uh, Roethlisberger, you know, he did enough. He didn't, I think he was under 200 yards on the day. Najee Harris only had about 50 yards on the ground. So it wasn't a great statistical day for anybody on the Steelers. But they, as a team, they just kind of hung in there and uh, turned the tide in the second half and, and came away with the win. I think they blocked the kick, actually, and scored a touchdown off of that. So I think that was one of the biggest plays there in the second half. Yeah, they do have a really good defense. What defense do you think, I guess from a fantasy perspective, but what, what do you think is the best defense or the top couple defenses in the league? Are the Steelers one of them this season? They're up there. I wouldn't yeah. quite put them in the top three. I'm, I'm thinking Rams, Washington, and maybe even the Browns. That's wow. that's why I think so much of them. Uh, and there's other really good defenses, and the Steelers are one of them. The Bills have a good defense. Dolphins, Patriots, those are all yeah. like really yeah, good defenses. Right. So you could put, you know, all of those teams are probably deserving of a quote-unquote top-five defense, but you can't put them all there. Right. So, I mean, yeah, the, the Steelers have a great defense. Of course, they just locked up T.J. Watt, gave him the most money ever for a linebacker, I think. So they're set on that side of the ball. Yeah, it's an impressive win, I have to say. And you and I, of course, are both happy that they pulled that out because that puts the Bills at 0-1. It helps both of us out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, that was a, a somewhat of a surprise, the way that that game went down. But the biggest surprise, without question, in week one, was the New Orleans Saints absolutely taking the Green Bay Packers to town beating them 38-3. to Wow. The Aaron Rodgers-led Packers lose 38-3 to to the Saints. What do you make of that? I heard that it's the largest margin of defeat in Aaron Rodgers' career. So I, I don't know what I make of this. I don't know. 
if I'm reading too much into the off season and the just the drama surrounding Rodgers and the Packers, I wonder if that played a role. I wonder if that was a distraction for the team. I wonder, I don't know. I would think that like A-Rod is one of the best in the league. He's been one of the best for such a long time. I, you got to think that he was prepared for the game and, and the team was prepared. Maybe that just happens sometimes where you just lay an egg and the other team plays so well. But I mean, yeah, they can't. I think, are they playing Detroit next? They can't. They can't lose that game. They can't go down to zero and two. So you would think, but I didn't think they'd lose. I thought they'd beat the saints. So, and, and they did not. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I don't know what to make of it. Do you think any of the off season shenanigans had anything to do with them coming out flat? It's impossible to quantify, but at the same time, it was the biggest storyline of this off season. I mean, it looked and like he wasn't was even going to come back to green Bay. That's what it looked like for yeah. a, a while. I think at some point, most people assumed he'd be the next host of Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he did come back. But yeah, that stuff doesn't just disappear. As much as they would like to say, oh, we're professionals. This is We know how to handle this stuff. You know, you don't just sweep something like this under the rug. Rodgers did say after the game that he felt that maybe they took the Saints too lightly, which makes sense, I think, uh, if they were feeling pretty good about themselves. The starters didn't get much playing time in the preseason at all. And, of course, this, uh, the New Orleans Saints are playing for a city here. Uh, this is a city that is once again rebuilding due to the devastating effects of Hurricane Ida and uh, obviously a terrible situation down there. But teams rally around that, as we know. And uh, th- they're playing with a little more sense of purpose. And after the game, some of them were even said, you know, this one was for New Orleans, you know. Yeah. We're playing not just for our fans, but for the whole city. You're so right that in sports that happens. When something tragic happens in a city, often a sports team will be a, a sort of rallying cry for, for the fan base. Even like, of course, like sports are so insignificant and um, compared to real life tragedy. But it is a, it's a good distraction for people and people... Um, really enjoy sports and, and a way to get away from some of the sadness for sure. But yeah, as you said, like back in the early 2000s with Katrina, the Saints rallied around or the city rallied around the Saints. I remember that opening game back at the Superdome, how emotional that was for people. And I can think of in baseball in 2013 with the Boston um, Marathon bombing and the Red Sox they were a good team, but I don't think they were the best team that year. And the city really rallied around the Red Sox and the Red Sox ended up winning the championship that season. So it happens in sports. So maybe maybe New Orleans, yeah, maybe they're going to surprise a lot of people. I, I was surprised. Jameis looked really good, didn't make mistakes. Did. Sean Payton obviously calls a really great game. And I mean, having number 41, Alvin Kamara, that helps uh, any quarterback. So... Yeah, but that having Kamara run really well really opened up uh, the playbook for for Jameis, and and he played a, a great game. But I'm stunned. I, like that's when you have Aaron yeah. Jones and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I don't know how you can only put up three points in a game. Like, yeah, it was abysmal from the Packers side of things. Someone made a Let lot of test- money on in Vegas with that result because yeah. no one would have guessed that. Let me uh, let me test your recent memory here. Okay. Last year, 
the Saints opened their year with a 38-3 victory on opening day. Exact same score that they beat the Packers with. Who did they play? The Bucks, was it? It was the Bucks. Yeah. So the last team, the last time the Saints won 38 to 3 on opening day, the team they beat went on to win the Super Bowl. So who knows? So pump the brakes, everybody. So what you're saying is R E L A X, as Aaron Rodgers would say, right? Relax. Well, that's that's one of my favorite all time lines. Yeah. Just relax. That's right. He says that's great stuff. You watch, they'll come back, and I know they'll be playing the lowly lions but watch them just dominate this this week they will you know and let's let's move into week two here and do a little preview of uh of week two uh and let's stick with the packers here because i think this is one of two kind of big time games next week it'll be monday night football actually packers lions and all of a sudden this is a pretty big game for the packers because nobody did expect them to lose to the saints in week one and the lions after looking like they might get run over by the 49ers, really made a game of that, came back strong. You might even say they, they took out a few kneecaps <laughs> on their way. Still came up short, but it was a close game against the Niners. They've shown a lot of fight in their first game. That's right. And they'll be up for that game against the Packers. And it, it is inconceivable to think that the Packers would start the season 0-2. But now there's a lot more pressure on them after that week one loss. Yeah, I mean... Dan Campbell must be happy, at least with with the fight that the Lions showed. And that's something that Detroit has not exhibited in the past few seasons. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I hate using the term, but maybe that is a bit of a moral victory for the Lions, at least showing that they're not going to just roll over after going down, going down big. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think the Packers will kill them, but... We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we, we shall see. The other game, and uh, well, we got to make a theme of it because it is a huge game now. The, the Dolphins and the Bills yeah. square off in week two. That one will be in Miami. And again, Buffalo, after going down to the Steelers in week one, start their season 0-1, as do the Patriots, as do the Jets, who neither of us think will be in the race anyway. But the Dolphins are the only team in the AFC East with a win. And if they can come out with a win against the Bills in Week 2, not only is that a major statement, but it puts some space all of a sudden very early between them and the Bills. We all expect the Patriots to beat the Jets in Week 2, so they'll be 1-1, one one, I'm sure. But this would be a major win for the Dolphins if they could get it over on the Bills. What are the chances you think that might happen in Week 2? I mean, I think they have a good chance. I think it's similar to the Green Bay response i think buffalo will be frustrated and upset that they dropped their home opener to the steelers so i i think they'll give your dolphins their best i mean i think as we've said before we both picked the bills to win the division but the gap between the bills and the pats and the dolphins that might be a lot smaller than people think i know seemed like everyone was picking the bills and and thinking that they'd run away with the afc east but i'm not so sure I think your Dolphins have a real chance. So, I'll, you know what? I'll say I'll say Dolphins win that game and the Bills wow. go down. That's going to be the big storyline. Bills go down 0 and 2 to start the season. That would indeed be a big storyline next week and I, I am a little scared cuz the Bills are a good team and and last year, I remember right right close to the end of the season, if not the last game of the season, the Bills and Dolphins played and Buffalo had nothing to play for and Miami's playoff hopes were on the line. We're still trying to get into the playoffs, and they absolutely destroyed us. It was 
so disheartening because they had nothing to play for. Yeah. We had everything to play for, and it wasn't even close. They the Bills just went out and made a statement that game. Yeah. And I I came away from that game so disheartened. Now, if I was the Dolphins, I'd be using that almost like the bulletin board material, like they embarrassed Mm -hmm. us, let's get them back. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you make a statement like that, it it really strikes fear in your opponent. And that's for next year kind of a win, Mm -hmm. right? We're not going anywhere, and we're going to have something to say to you. So I really hope that the Dolphins get a win. It'll be, I think, a tight game, but I might be leaning towards the Bills a little bit. I don't know. It'll be a tough one. We'll see. You know who looked really good? This is a bit of an aside, but Jalen Waddle for his first NFL game oh, got sure. some separation. He's super fast. So, as yeah. you said before, I mean, that was a really, really good pick for you. Yeah, fans. we need to find a way to get the ball into his hands as much as possible. But uh, Devontae Parker also looked good in, mm-hmm. in the first week. He, he runs that slant so well that the Patriots had no answer for yeah, that. Yeah, that's slant. right. But anyways, yeah, so those are the two big games. You know, some of the other ones look like some real squash matches. You've got the Browns <laughs> against the Texans. That should be an easy win for the Browns. Patriots-Jets, as we mentioned. Broncos-Jaguars. Broncos, and then the, yeah. Yeah, then the Bucks-Falcons, you know. If any one of those teams lose uh, next week, they'll definitely make the biggest week two surprise <laughs> on next week's episode. Yeah. Oh, and, I mean, another one, Arizona-Minnesota. The Cardinals, they exploded and had a had a statement win this week. Kyler Murray looked looked phenomenal. So there's another, yeah. That whole division is really good. The uh the NFC West. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. So like all four of those teams, I feel like if you put them in any other division, they'd really compete for the for winning that division, but they're all they're all stuck in the NFC West. Yeah, there's a chance that they might all end with winning records. It's possible. Right. It's possible. All right, let's move into some fantasy talk. Is all right. The NFL season is underway, as is the fantasy season. Uh, we're going to get to some fantasy risers, fallers, and perhaps some Trojan horses in there. But before we get there, maybe let's just talk about how we're doing. How's your fantasy teams doing so far? I mean, my team is projected as of right now to to win my matchup. But um, to be honest, my team let me down in a lot of areas. So. My two backs, Antonio Gibson and Austin Eckler, had had decent games, but they both they only put up eleven points. And Devontae Adams put up ten points for me. Mike Evans was the real stinker on my team; just had three receptions for twenty four yards. So he only put up five points. And the Pats' defense was was decent. And so, but I I didn't put up I didn't put up the points I I thought I would. The one who really saved me was Pat Mahomes putting up 33 points at the quarterback position. So, I was somewhere in the middle this week. So, I had an average week. What about your team? Yeah, I got two main teams, I'd say. Uh one I I got the win, which is great. It wasn't a great week. It got off to a great start though. That Thursday night football game, I had a lot of guys going. I had Tom Brady, Mike Evans, as you said, who was disappointing, but Brady lit it up. And then in another league, I had Amari Cooper, who had oh, yeah. just a fantastic game. 16 targets, 13 catches, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Wow. But yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm excited that the season's underway. Well, I wanted to uh, take a look at some early fantasy risers here after week one. And there's a number of guys, I'd have to say, that really put in some encouraging performances for their fantasy owners. 
And I'll just kind of go through the list here and then maybe you can comment on any of the guys that I mentioned. That sound good? Yeah, sounds great. All right. So I'm going to go right through the list here. Chase Edmonds, running back for the Arizona Cardinals. People are wondering how that's going to shake out with James Conner. He outtouched Conner by quite a margin, much more involved in the passing game than was Conner. So, and he also, I don't know, actually, I don't know if he got a touchdown, but he looks real good there. Looks to be the true number one ahead of Conner. But then we get into some of the upsets here and, and looking at guys who are risers and because they are risers, other guys are on the fallers list. And uh, I'm going to look at the Detroit backfield here. Everyone had an opinion. If you're in the Twitter fantasy football Twitterverse, everyone had an opinion on DeAndre Swift coming into this year. He was going to be top five or he was going to be a bust. People were all over the place on him. The Lions themselves said that it was going to be about a 50-50 split between him and Jamal Williams. Well, guess what? Jamal Williams actually started the game in game one against the 49ers. He out-touched and out-scored, did more with his touches than did DeAndre Swift. Swift did bust uh, one catch, took it to the house for a touchdown. But other than that, Jamal Williams outperformed DeAndre Swift. That's got to be a real worry for Swift owners. Uh, But Jamal Williams looks good. He definitely has a role in that offense. Debo Samuel, again, everyone thought Brandon Ayuk was going to be the guy. Guess what? Ayuk was benched, didn't get a single target. Debo Samuel, on the other hand, went off nine catches. I forget, almost 200 yards receiving, I think it was. Just a huge game for him. He looks great. My Patriots could have drafted him, but instead we chose Nikhil Harry. Oh, dear. That Nikhil Harry (laughs) pick is going to haunt the Patriots, but Debo. they'll be, they'll be yeah. fine without him, though. Let's who are we kidding? Uh, and then I'm going to eat crow a little bit because one of the guys I've been down on and highly critical of uh, for the past couple of years is Mike Williams, wide receiver for the LA Chargers. Uh, he simply hasn't been able to put together a full season, often injured, high risk, high reward guy. He was off my draft board this year, but he started out week one and put up a pretty impressive stat line, got into the end zone. So good for him. TJ Hawkinson, who I have on one of my teams, nine catches, but 100 yards, got to the end zone. He looks great. And I'm going, trending up the entire Bengals offense to round out the risers, the week one risers. Joe Mixon, 29 carries, 127 yards and a touchdown. He added four catches for 23 yards. Jamar Chase, after dealing with the drops all preseason, had five Mm -hmm. catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins found the end zone as well. So that whole Bengals offense, there's room for optimism. Burrow had a great game, took care of the football. That's my risers. What do you think? I think, yeah, I think that's about those Bengals. I mean, I heard a lot of criticism that the Bengals were going to be terrible uh, this year and that Jamar Chase was not good. Was already, I heard people already saying he was a bust because of all those drops. But no, he's. Um, did you see Joe? Did you see Joe Burrow in the uh, in the post game press conference? He just came to the podium and said, "Like, oh yeah, you all thought he couldn't catch the ball or something." Um, that was great. It was good. Yeah. So yeah. standing up for his teammate and Chase looked, yeah, looked as advertised, uh, lightning fast and and had a really nice uh, touchdown reception. Burrow's a great quarterback. Good to see him back after that that knee injury. So uh, hopefully. Cincinnati can finally uh, go in the right direction here and become a competitive team in that in that uh, AFC North. 
Yeah, I figure they'll still finish fourth in the division, but they'll put up some decent fantasy numbers this year. All right, let's move to the fallers then. I already mentioned DeAndre Swift and Brandon Ayuk, who put up a bagel in the past game, <laughs> a.k.a. zero catches, zero oh. yards. Joining him in that category was Falcons wide receiver Russell Gage. Two targets, zero catches for him. That was really surprising to me. Uh, Mike Davis, also the running back for the Falcons, finds a spot on my father's list in week one. And he didn't play terrible. I saw him rip off a couple of nice runs in that game, even though they got trounced by the Eagles. But there was a concerning trend here in this week one game, and that was that Corderell Patterson, who has bounced around the league, uh, starting with the Vikings, first-round pick of the Vikings, actually, played for your Patriots for a little while, uh, the Bears. Now he's with the Falcons, and he actually got seven carries uh, in that game to Mike Davis's 15. So he ate into that, and he did more with those carries than Davis did. Davis averaged, I think, 3.3 yards a carry, uh, whereas Patterson was up closer to five uh, so that's a little concerning for him. And I have to say, this whole Falcons, contrary to the Bengals, where I'm pumping up that whole offense, I'm really coming down on the Falcons week one here. And a lot of it stems from their quarterback play, Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, this guy used to be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. And in fantasy in particular, you love to get him late in the draft because nobody was thinking about him. And yet he would put up big numbers year in, year out, was so consistent. But for the past three years, really, he has really struggled. And I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's carrying an injury that's affected his play. I don't know if it's confidence. He's never been short for weapons, but he can't seem to put a good season together anymore. And so I'm trending down on everybody associated with this team. I'm trending down on Calvin Ridley. I'm trending down on Russell Gage. I'm trending down on Mike Davis and even Kyle Pitts, who I love and I think is going to be a superstar in this league. Until Matt Ryan can figure it out or they replace him at quarterback, I'm a little worried about all of these guys. What do you think of some of those names that I just mentioned? Well, I'll go back to uh, Matty Ice for a second. I've got a theory as to why what has happened to Matty Ice. Uh, we did uh, not discuss this, let me just say, but I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. I mean, I feel like anybody <laughs> who... who uh, who has a 28 to three lead yep, in the Super yep, Bowl. I knew it. And you, and you end up losing that game. I don't know how you recover from that mentally. So I think the Falcons, they already, I mean, the city of Atlanta almost looks cursed in terms of championships. I think just the Atlanta Braves in 1995 was their, maybe their only championship. Yeah, um, I- the Falcons never won. The Hawks, I don't know if they ever won or maybe a long time ago in the NBA. I don't think they did. So anyway, um, yeah, the city of Atlanta, that sucks. Uh, But yeah, I think that's what it is. I I don't know how you recover from losing that game. Um, That's my theory. I don't think Matty Ice has recovered from that. So um, the hype on Arthur Smith, head coach Arthur Smith was, was high. So, and maybe it still should be, maybe the Falcons aren't, uh, aren't as bad as as that one game made them look. So um yeah, th- I mean that's that's the one that's the one name for me, Matty Ice. Yeah, you know what I by that Super Bowl. Yeah, you know what I can't argue with that. Uh, he really hasn't been the same since that Super Bowl and maybe it is a confidence issue. Confidence can play a major role in a player's success or lack thereof. So 
Uh, yeah, Matt Ryan really struggling now for the Falcons. There was a lot of questions in the offseason. Of course, the Falcons had the number four overall pick. Could have taken a quarterback, yeah. Could have taken a quarterback. They took Pitts, and hey, I'm not bashing that. Pitts was a great pick, but with without a quarterback to throw him the ball, I mean, they need Matt Ryan to get back on that horse and, and get going again. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to about wrap us for episode 10. Wow. And, Double uh, digits, Pete. Double digits. How about that? I'm just going to give you another shout out here. My friend, Alex McLeod, host of the That Sports Podcast. If you love sports, check out the That Sports Podcast. You can find it on all the major platforms. Alex, I wonder if you'll come back and uh, be on the show a couple more times this year. That sounds great, Pete. Yeah, be happy to. Thanks for having me. All right, let's do it. Until then, we're looking forward to week two. Take her easy. Take her easy.